This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohn and Shane Dale, you know, before we get going uh, on this program, and, we're, and our buddy Jeff Dean's going to join us later in the show for uh, some analysis and then picks in the last segment. Let me give a shout out. And we, we do Shane's standouts right off the bat. I want to give a shout out to my co-host Shane Dale, who picked on this program last week. Arizona to win the game by one point, 20 to 19. And Shane, the final score was 21 to 20. So you are the real standout because you saw this coming from a mile away. What do they say about a broken clock or the blind squirrel? Uh, hey, I was due. Okay. And and this, show, and this shows me that I just need to go out and just make picks based on pure gut instinct and none of your, you know, ridiculous hippie research that you do at CBS. Yeah, thank that, you. That, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. you're right, you're right most of the time, but it's probably just all luck. And, and so, no, Clearly. seriously, though, you're, you're much better prognosticator than I am. But yeah, I just, I was really hoping to be wrong is the ironic thing. I was hoping that was going to be an easy win over Stanford. I just felt like it wasn't going to. It was going to be a grinded out game, especially on the offensive side of the ball, just knowing what we've seen from the offense specifically uh, through, through three and now four games. So uh, I'm just glad that they got out of Dodge with a win. It's not anything to celebrate terribly. They, they won 21 to 20 a week earlier, Sacramento state beat Stanford 23 to 20. Uh, so you have to keep that in mind, but look, regardless, they're three and one where we all thought they probably would be realistically at this point of the season. And they may or may not have a chance to hit, hit the reset button with a new quarterback, which I know we're going to discuss shortly. Uh, Shane, it was a bad performance. Any way you want to look at it. I thought Arizona played it deserved to lose. Uh, I, I'm not really sure how they won the game. Um, I, I guess we'll kind of break that down a little bit, but it was a game that Arizona loses nine times out of 10. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was one of those wins that you, you got it. And I, I mean, I thought I was like, Ugh, what was I that? still believe as ugly as it was in it. And I, I, I had, I was tested this, this, this yes. theory that I have mm-hmm. any road win is a good win. I still believe it. Were they, they caught them. looking ahead? Were they caught looking ahead? I think no, so. You can, no, I don't yeah, think so. I do, no, I do. No, I just think that they're just that inept at times. And and Jaden okay. DeLore specifically, uh, his decision-making, and then they struggled on, def- on uh, one aspect on the defensive side of the ball on third and long. Uh, and they got fortunate that the Stanford missed a pair of field goals, which they typically don't do. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I that's a game that, that Arizona probably on one hand they should have won. On the other hand, should have lost. If somebody played, they should have lost. And so I'm thankful they got out of Dodge with a win. All right, give us your uh, standout, Shane's standouts uh, before we get going. Yeah, well, uh, let's uh, me uh, pivot away from football for just a moment. I want to mention uh, Sammy Betosh of the soccer team, uh, sophomore who scored twice in Arizona's three nothing win over Oregon on Friday, which was their Pac-12 opener, so they're one and zero in Pac-12 play. It was her second and third goals of the season. If you remember last year, Eric, Sammy Betosh, she made national headlines when she scored this goal while lying oh, on, yeah. on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Like mm-hmm. the little, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know if you call it like a ground bicycle kick or what, yeah. but it was just ridiculous. But but she scored twice in the, uh, against Oregon. Arizona's 4-2-3 and three this season. Um, they've only allowed nine goals in nine games, thanks in large part to Hope Heisey, their star goal, uh, goalkeeper. Uh, so Becca Morrow says that program going in the right direction. So I want to mention uh, – 
Uh, shout to the soccer team before we get uh, in. Shout to European football before we get into American football. Now, do you do you want to give any standouts on the football team? Well, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Uh, and, and and look, Arizona did, would not have beaten Stanford without Noah Fafita's poise coming in, trailing yeah. on the run. You know, he came in cold, not having pl- played a really a meaningful snap of college football, uh, except for a couple of plays. I think was it against Washington last year? Where, where yeah, Virginia, uh, uh, right. I mean, for the most part, yeah, he has yeah. not played a meaningful snap of college football. Yeah, right. but he, you know, he kept it simple in the fourth quarter. Uh, made some good decisions, even tried to throw a block in there, which I kind of hope he doesn't do going forward. Um, but he led Arizona down the field, got him the lead, and then completed a pair of passes on Arizona's final possession, both to uh, Jacob Cowling, uh, to run out the clock, which was massive because, it, look, if Stanford had gotten the ball back, they would have won. They would have marched down the field and won 23-21. So got to mention Noah Fafita. Also, Jonah Coleman, who shouldered most of the load yeah. for Arizona's ground game after My- Michael Wiley went out with the injury. Uh, 75 yards on 12 carries. And then uh, once again, uh, speaking of the Servite guys, Jacob Manu, 12 total tackles, half sack, one and a half TFLs, and uh, two quarterback hits against Stanford. Arizona's defense had some issues against Stanford, but they did have 11 tackles for loss, which is a very impressive number. Well, it's time for buy or sell, and this one will be an interesting one. It's presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to iceshaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and get $5 off and drink one of those, drink out of one of those beauties like you, like Shane is on our stream here. Video and if you, stream. and if you do own an ice shaker, I understand if you were drinking something a little stronger for that Stanford game. Yeah, I wish I was. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Or you can go to fanatics.com, get yourself an ice shaker there. All right, Shane, uh, number one on the docket this week. Jaden Delora at less than 100% or Noah Fafita? Well, I will echo what most Arizona fans would probably say, and are probably thinking if they're they're watching or listening, and that I would take at this point a 100% Noah Fafita over a 100% Jaden Delora. Uh, Just based on what we've seen, I think it's time to explore other opportunities, and Noah Fafita is another opportunity. Again, small sample size. I think a lot of Arizona fans who want to see him as the guy, want to see him start, are putting way too much pressure on him because we don't know what we're going to get. But I think we've seen enough out of Jaden Delora. We've we've talked about it, Eric. The the better part of the last six games, going back to last season, so half a season's worth of games, he just hasn't been very good. It's not his his ability. It's his decision-making. He just has not made good decisions. He's running back with 20, 30 yards with a ball. He's throwing, <clears throat> excuse me, he's throwing balls into coverage, even against Stanford. You know, J- Jet Fish said after the game, hey, Jaden Delora didn't throw an interception. Well, it wasn't for lack of trying. He 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 tried on a couple of occasions. Look, he can be great at times. That that three-play drive that ended with the the pass to Tanner McLaughlin, the you know, the the, the double fake and then the throw. Yeah. Perfect textbook, chef's kiss, everything. But those moments are just too few and far between for me. And I would like to see Noah Fafita get an opportunity. I hope I mean, we never root for an injury, but if Jaden's on hundred percent, because like he probably will start if he is, mm-hmm. but if he's not, and and it's a high ankle sprain or it's just a, a sprain or whatever calf or whatever the issue is. And he's, he's just not, they're not, he's kind of 50, 50. I would like to see him on, on, on the sideline and see Noah Fafita uh, get a chance against the great Washington team. All right, so here's my prediction, and this is Tuesday night, and I may be proven wrong by the end of the week, and if Mm. so, so be it. Wouldn't be the first time on this show, and I can guarantee you it will not be the last. Uh, I think Jaden Delora will be out uh, for a few games. I think Noah Fafita will get his chance against Washington. I think he'll get his chance against USC, and he'll get his chance against Washington State. Do you think Jed knows Jaden's out? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think think Washington guessing. Yeah, I I mean, the fact that Jaden did not come in the game come back in the game and did not look close to coming back in the game against Stanford. No. So everything that I needed to know, I would be very surprised. I, I he, it, yeah, he's trying to play gamesmanship, but I don't think it matters. 
with that said, um, I am going to say that Noah Fafita gets three chances to start in a row. And if so, uh, if he wins one of those games, he's your permanent starter. Those are three really tough games. So I don't think that's going to well, happen. Well, but, but the crazy thing, Eric, is that Arizona could easily go 0-3 in those games and Noah Fafita could have three good games. I mean, because those are they're going up against the um, one start, I think it was on three, had ranked the, the top three quarterbacks in the country or the next three that Arizona's facing. Yeah. Okay. Not just in the Pac-12, but in the entire country. So look, and, and Noah Fafita could go out and we'll make our predictions later, but he can go out and throw for 300 yards, rush for 50 and have four total touchdowns against Washington. And Arizona could still lose by two touchdowns. Yeah. So it, that's just something to consider as long as he plays well. And, and look, we all know how it works. If he out, goes out and play, has an outstanding game, then, you know, and, and maybe he, maybe he will, maybe he won't, but if he does, then you, you, Jed yeah, is good. Yes. Is even as much as Jed loves Jaden Delore, we know he does. He's going to have to sit back and think. Well, well, maybe this is the direction we need to go. Number two, Shane. Jed's play calling thus far this season: buy or sell? I'm going to sell. Uh, I'm going to sell. I'm, I'm kind of somewhat reluctantly because I think maybe it's a little. I think Jaden Delore has been the biggest issue more so than the play calling. Uh, I just think my, my biggest issue is that I, I wish like Jed like. I wish for Jaden. I wish Jed would keep it a little bit simpler sometimes. Uh, he gets a little too cute with the play calling. Uh, sometimes I'm just not sure why he's throwing when he should run and vice versa. You know, hindsight's always 20-20 when the play doesn't work out. But um, I, I I don't think – I think he is a he is a brilliant mind that I think he – and I don't think he needs to be quite as brilliant as he is sometimes, if that makes sense. He gets a little too elaborate. And I think like with no, and I think another thing with Noah Fafita, if Noah's the guy, I think he might be encouraged just because Noah hasn't had a start at college football at the college level to keep things a bit simpler, kind of like, um, uh, and we, I know we don't like to talk about Kevin someone like he did the game we went to against UCLA when uh, Grant yeah. Gunnell came in, Gunnell started very yeah. simple scheme that he had against UCLA and it worked okay for him in that game. So that could be the, the similar situation for Noah, but I, I think that I don't think Jet's a bad play caller. I just think he gets a little too cute and and a little more ill too in love with his playbook a bit sometimes. Yeah, I'm not impressed. I'm going to sell Jed's play calling this year. I'm not impressed one bit. Uh, I think it, it it looks like it's he's saving it up for something like the creativity. I, I mean, I guess he's tried to get cute here and there, but I feel like he's just not. It's there's no rhythm to it. Hmm. I, I don't feel like Arizona's ever in a rhythm. Um, I, I'm I'm really disappointed because we saw. You know, and I guess maybe in the second half of the ASU game is when this started. And maybe yeah, I just I have not Arizona's first halves have really not been good. I mean, you look all around like think about it. Yeah. They were up what they against NAU. They weren't great against Mississippi State. They weren't great. Utah yeah. Stanford. I mean, four bad first halves in a row. I think when he's going little... to come out and do yeah. something. Yeah, they've, they've had they keep having slow starts. I think he's a little too stubborn. And I think we go, I'm thinking back to the ASU game since you mentioned it, you know, we were all screaming for him to run the ball more and he did finally in the second half, but it shouldn't have taken him that long. Uh, So I think sometimes it's okay to realize, okay, what I'm doing isn't working. Maybe I need to pivot. And I think he's a little slower than I would like to adjust. You don't want to, you know, be make knee jerk decisions and abandon your game plan. if it's not working early, but I think you have to adjust play by play and drive by drive. And I think Jed sometimes is a little slow to do that. But where's the rhythm? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, where is the when you you can see really good play callers? They get into a rhythm and they're just you know they're flowing. Everything's working. Everything. No. We haven't even seen that against bad teams, Shane. They played three bad teams, yeah. and Mississippi State's probably nothing special. And, and we haven't seen that really much at all. 
Yeah, is it? I guess it's kind of the chicken or the egg question. Does it really start with the offense on the field, or does it start with the play calling? And I'm really not sure. I think it has more to do with the offense specifically, Jaden Delora. Uh, but I haven't been thrilled with Jed's play calling either. All right, number three, Shane. Uh, Jonah Coleman needs more carries. Buy or sell? Easiest buy on on the list. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and we we yeah. saw it, um, and we don't. I as much as I love Michael Wiley, and I hope he's able to go against Washington or at least come back soon. He is not as irreplaceable as a lot of guys on offense are simply because Arizona has a, a lot of depth at running back. You know, he, he's, I actually think they're going to miss him more in the passing game, uh, which is, could be a bigger deal. Yeah. If you have Noah Fafita who might need more of a safety valve because he is their best pass catching running back. The other guys can do it too, but he's, he's their best, the uh, pass catcher. I mean, Mississippi state's coach uh, mentioned before the Arizona game about how great a, a receiver Michael Wiley was. So I think they'll miss him on, in that regard. But in terms of running the ball, I think we were hoping that Jonah Coleman would get more touches. And it's a shame that it happened that way. But he, the talent is obviously there between you know, him and then DJ Williams is, was, is good in short yardage situations for the most part. He did a good job uh, uh, in when uh, Noah Fafita was in the game, uh, finishing that drive against Stanford. Uh, Rayshon Luke can, is a great change of pace back. And he can catch the ball too. I like to see him catch the ball a little bit more. So uh, yeah, Coleman, I think, is the, is their number one tailback with Wiley out. Maybe even with Wiley in, he's their, their number one tailback. But uh, I, I I would like to certainly see him get close to double-digit touches every game. Yeah, I think Coleman looks the part. Uh, he's he's a beast. And uh, Wiley's been good. But uh, Wiley has not been as good as we saw in the first half of the ASU game. I don't know how he ever could be. Yeah. But Jonah Coleman, and I'll tell you, all the running backs have been have been pretty good this year. If there's a bright spot, I mean, they, they've done the job. Um, but I'd like to see him get the lion's share against Washington. And I'll tell you what I want to see on Saturdays. I want to see Arizona, you know, get a lead or, or, or try to play ball control, you know, try to, you know, hold the ball for 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. That's that, that's how you win. You, you got to keep Michael Penix off the field and you got to obviously get some stops there, but you got to, you got to keep him off the field. I mean, literally run the stinking clock while you can. While the and I think, and I think if Noah Fita is the starter that they might be more inclined to play that way, you know, instead yeah. of going for the big chunk plays, number one, I don't think Jed's going to dial up as much of that stuff. And number two, I think Noah is just going to be a bit more of that manager who was looking for those shorter throws as, as opposed to the home run throw that, that Jaden does too often. Number four, Shane, Arizona's offensive line is a problem right now. I will buy in the sense that the, the lack of continuity, I think has been difficult. You know, Raymond Polito missed the first three games of the season. He finally comes in. They have to adjust to that. And then he goes out again and who knows if he's going to play against Washington. So I think that's a missing component. I know that the Jets shifted some guys around uh, in between games in the game. Uh, there was one play in particular where Stanford just rushed three and they got to Jaden Delora. Um, sometimes Jaden just holds the ball too long, but that wasn't the case there. Uh, so it, it's a little concerning. I just thought yeah. the most concerning par- uh, part of the game for me. Um, I, I think it's it's got to be frustrating for for Jed and the offensive staff that they just haven't been able to get to keep Polito healthy and see what he can do because I think yep. give a, a give him a couple games and and I think they can really get into a rhythm. But it, it is a bit of a problem. But I think it's more of a continuity issue. I, I'm just you know the the running backs have been okay. The offensive line's been okay. I I wouldn't say it's a problem. So I'm gonna slightly sell this but it's not as good as i thought it would be okay that's i i thought it would i thought we would see better uh from the offensive line and just i guess maybe the entire offense i mean Jaden delora eh. offensive line eh. wide receivers fine doing doing fine um and uh you know i uh the the running backs you know good so yeah. that's um, how i feel about the offense right now eh. Eh. that's probably the best yeah. word to describe it yeah 
All right. So our bonus question before we get to our buddy, Jeff Dean. So you and I will be there on Saturday night. Uh, we'll yep. be sitting in the North end zone. I'm sure we'll post some content on the, uh, uh, you know, on the X or Twitter or whatever you got to call it, but, but we'll put this one right out there, Shane beating Washington would be Arizona's biggest home win since at least Oregon in 2007, when the ducks were number two in the country by yourself. I, I will buy that it was it's Oregon, but I'm going to sell the year because I'm thinking 2013 because that just kind of came out of nowhere. B.J. Denker's year, and they don't just beat Marcus Mariota and the Ducks. They destroy them in a kind of a rainy day in Tucson. And by the way, I gave up yeah. uh, I gave up the option to go to that game. And I'm that, yeah, I was there. For, you know, that's a good one. I forgot about that game, Shane, and the Scooby right. Yeah, the Ducks went on, obviously, the next year to, to be playing the national championship game. You know? Yeah, well, and so. the 2007 game, I'll – that I think was like a, the Thursday or a Friday. It was a night. Thursday night game. Yep. And so it was and, national. It was the only game on national TV. And so from that perspective, and Oregon was number two. Their quarterback gets hurt, so they're you, know, you had to you have to consider that that portion of it as well. But but that was where they they started to turn the corner as a program and kind of let, let uh, you know let the you know, national fan, college football fans know that they were about to do that. Um, but I think the 2013 game, as far as home games, it was right before That's the a ASU great game. Call. Yeah, that, it was right for the issue game where they got destroyed. But the week before that, they went out and beat, you know, BJ Denker and like, right. Arizona could do no wrong. Oregon couldn't do anything right. It was just like a magical game that, and the following year, they beat him in Eugene. But you're talking about home games. I, I think if Arizona were to beat Washington, it would be their biggest home win since that one. You know, there aren't very many people who know the history of at least the Territorial Cup better than my co host here because he's written two books on it. But I mean, how many, I, listen, this one, I totally forgot. And I was at that game. And that's why Shane is a pro. He, he, this is why we do the podcast together. He knows his stuff. And I like Sometimes. to think every now and then that so do I. But we'll see about that. Not, we are going to bring a guy on who definitely knows his stuff. He's the voice of Arizona Stadium and McHale Center and the original founder of this podcast, Jeff Dean, coming up next here on Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby, and I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jed Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. Shane, it's always a pleasure to have the founder of this program, who is now the voice of Arizona Stadium and McHale Center, our buddy Jeff Dean, join us here on Wildcat Country. What number Jeff is this for, uh, for Jeff? I think it's uh, 17 or 18. I'd have I to say he's got to be he's approaching 20, isn't he? Yeah, he and, he and Moreno are in a fight for the lead here, yeah. Shane. They're, it's it's very close as to who has the, uh, the most Wildcat Country appearances, yeah. neck and neck. But anyways, we're glad to have Jeff back on the uh, program. Well, Jeff, we'll make this one uh, an easy question to start. So would you rather have a, let's say, 75% at best Jaden Delora or Noah Fafita start on Saturday? I mean, you always want your players to be at 100%. So, I mean, if, if it was a 75% JDL or a 100% uh, Noah Fafita, I would probably side with with the Noah Fafita uh, just because I you know, I want 100% uh, you know health, especially in the, in the starting lineup. But um you know, if it's if it's a hundred hundred, I think uh, you know, I think it's still it's still JDL's job, and um, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunity to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, if it is Noah Fafita on Saturday, and we the small sample size we saw against Stanford, very efficient, did what he had to do uh, down the stretch. What are your thoughts on him going into that game, especially against uh, a Washington team that that is obviously very good, but can be 
keep be scored on and and have uh, have yards racked up against them as we saw against Cal last week. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that this is a situation where you know Noah has been here just as long as as Jaden has, at least as as far as at Arizona. They arrived the I mean, same day on Jets campus, up. I guess, is what Jed said. Yeah. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, that probably makes sense. I mean, I, I know that they both were you know early arrivals, and I know that Noah was excited to get here as, as early as possible. So that makes sense that that they would both have arrived at the same on the same day. So then, yeah, they've had the exact same amount of time in uh, in Jed's offense then um which is always good you know you know you want to have familiarity with the offense when you're talking about uh the starting quarterback obviously um and you want as many quarterbacks in that room to be familiar with the offense as as possible um you know I, I always have full faith in what Noah is doing um I think that Noah is a lot like his teammate on the defensive side of the ball from survey high school and Jacob and that he's a fast learner uh, and I think that when you put him onto the field, I think he's able to, and he's shown this in uh, in plenty of backup uh, situations before where he's been thrust onto the field. Um, he looks like someone who is always prepared to take the reins and there's no drop off when, when Noah comes into the game. Um, you know, it gives the offense a little bit of a different look. Obviously he's got some different tools at his disposal that um, that make him a little bit of a different type of of uh, of threat and a, and a different type of of problem to solve for the defense um, like you see with often with with backup quarterbacks but it's not a situation where Arizona is going from uh, you know a Nick Foles you know pocket type of passer to uh, then a quarterback that comes in that is just a strictly a running quarterback which is a lot of times what you find at college uh, at the college level where the backup is so different from the starter that you have to rearrange the entire playbook, which can be a detriment to the defense as well, because they've spent all week preparing for one guy and you get a different guy. Um, so with Noah, you get a very, very similar tool set to Jaden Delora. But like I said, I, I think he's a guy that just like Jacob Manu, who we've seen is a, is up to the task on the field at all times. A lot of Wildcat fans, Jeff, have soured on Jaden Delora. Uh, Eric and I have our concerns as well. Uh, the, the ability is no, there's no question in his ability. The decision making, I think, is what we question. And so, but you're always the optimist. If Jaden takes the field against Washington, tell us why he he gives Arizona a chance to hang in and maybe even pull off the big upset. Well, Jaden is a is a tremendous quarterback. That's why it gives Arizona a chance to win the football game and and. Uh, pull the upset against Washington this Saturday. And that's, you know, that's the reason why. And I'm not saying that Noah Fafita is not. Uh, the reason that that Arizona has a chance to win on Saturdays is because of the some of the parts, you know, the whole is, you know, essentially what, what makes Arizona so good. Um, and I think, you know, and I, I've obviously read and, and you know, in, in watching the games and stuff like that, I get frustrated with sometimes with, with Jaden Delora as well. Um, but I, I think that in, in his situation this year, it often just seems like there's a lack of, of rhythm. It seems like there's a lack of, of cohesion from play to play. Yeah. It often seems like, it, 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 to me, it almost seems like he's, he's only going out there knowing he's going to get one shot at him, just one play yeah. for the team to score. Yeah. And that's a lot of times how, how I feel he's approaching each series. Um, which is, you know, it's unfortunate because, you, you know, it, in, in college football, it's about racking up as many first downs as you possibly can. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And I've said this all season long that Arizona's offense needs to be staying on schedule in order for it to be successful. And this year it has been 
very often not on schedule. And what I mean on schedule is I mean staying ahead of the change where you're where you're gaining yardage on every single play, and you're also staying within the rhythm of the offense. And I just felt like they've been very disjointed this year. And to be honest, I don't think that has very much to do with the quarterback situation. Um, and I'm I'm going to slam the coaches a little bit. I feel like last year, and I know this this wasn't prompted, but I'm going to say it anyways. I feel like last year, this team, the coaching staff was able to squeeze a lot more, uh, a lot more out of a, a group of very very young but talented players and able to compete in games. This year, I feel like they're just barely getting by with those same players that have now been more seasoned and are now more experienced, and they've added even more talent in the transfer portal and things like that and brought in guys that have more experience and more talent and more size, and they're just kind of barely getting by. So I'm wondering why the coaching staff hasn't really taken the reins off of this thing or if they're being too careful. Not exactly sure, but I, I feel like last year these guys were being coached up to compete in games, and I think right now they're not being coached as well as they should be in order to blow the teams out that they should have blown out this year. All right, so Jeff, if you were to give a grade right now through four games to Jed Fish's play calling, what would you give it? You know, I think the play calling isn't bad. You know, the situation that I find with Arizona, it's like, okay, when I when I look at the field and I see, aside from the quarterback, you've got Michael Wiley in the backfield, you've got Tanner McLaughlin, you know, as the tight end, then you've got your three wide receivers. You got T Mac, you got Cowing, and you got Lamonius Craig. And I want to get the ball to all five of those players. And then there's three other guys on the sideline that I would love to see get the ball more between Rayshon Luke, DJ Williams, Kevin Green Jr. I'd like to see all three of those guys get the ball as well, because I know what those guys can do in the open field. And I know that there's very few players in this conference that can compete with those guys in an open field situation. And I just, I want to see them get the ball more, but there's only one ball to go around. So I don't think that the play calling has been a problem at all. I think what the problem has honestly been is being able to find which guy to get the football to on a consistent basis with rhythm, with timing, and within the framework of that offense. So let's talk about Arizona's defense for a second. It's been really good. I mean, outside of Mississippi State where they give up 31, but that was five turnovers and, and they were set up in and bed, overtime. In overtime, right. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a defense that's legitimately in – you know, three games given up, what, uh, 33 points, and then the the uh, Mississippi State game offhand, let's say 17 maybe on their own, if if not. I mean, this is – Johnny Nansen's done a great job. Does this defense, in your opinion, Jeff, stand a prayer of holding Washington under 35 points this week? It's the best defense we've seen since the Stoops era, and th and that's all I know. I don't think that this team has faced a real juggernaut offensively yet this year. They're going to face it this Saturday. I mean, that's that's for sure. I mean, Michael Penix is the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy. I've watched Washington play twice this year, and every sing every time I've watched them play, they've cut through the opposing team's defense like it was wet toilet paper. I mean, it it, it is really impressive how crisp and how explosive they are. They have talented wide receiver, running back, tight end. Obviously, Penix is delivering the ball at a at a at a really electric rate. Um, but this is the best defense that Arizona's had, like I said, since the Stoops era. And I, and I think that what I have seen so far, and you know, you mentioned the, the the Mississippi State game against that was on the road against an SEC school in overtime. The scoring drives in regulation 
were lengths of six yards, 22 yards, 50 yards, and 57 yards. Those were their scoring drives. Um, you, you know, football, when it all boils down to it, it's a game of field position. If you have to force the other team to go 90 when you only have to go 80, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna win that football game nine times out of ten. Um, so I don't put that on the defense. The, those points were given up by the offense. It's just plain and simple. I mean, three drives inside the 50 is ridiculous. Um, so I, the defense, to me, has really, really done well. Now, there have been some problems with chunk plays. I think they gave up six or seven plays of 20 or more yards against Stanford and several of them on third and long situations. And guess who leads the uh, college football in chunk, in chunk plays. Yeah, definitely Washington. It's, yeah. it's gotta be right. I yep. mean, yeah. Washington, Oregon. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, so it's a good point. Um, so that's even scarier now that I think about it, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I don't know if it's been scheme, if it's been um, player personnel type situations that have, that have been those, you know, those chunk plays. I just know that um, it, it often seems like those chunk plays are not coming on first and 10. They're coming uh, on situations where we know that the team has to get 12, 13, 14 yards and they're getting it, which is, which is the more uh, I think troubling situation there. Yeah, and you led me right into my next question, Jeff, because I think Stanford's average third down length was like 12 yards against Arizona, and they converted like about half of them. And and in most of those situations, Arizona would bring three, maybe four guys. I feel like Arizona is – Giant Nansen's got to roll the dice a little bit and try to bring pressure on Michael Penix. Otherwise, he's just going to pick them apart on Saturday. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and I saw some things – I've seen some things developing – uh, throughout this season where I've noticed more wildcats in the backfield progressively throughout each game. And then it, it, the culmination being in the, in the previous game against Stanford, 11 TFLs in that game. And I think the more impressive stat than that, I mean, that's the most TFLs that an Arizona defense has had in like seven years. I think um, the more impressive statistic there was that of those 11 TFLs, 11 different players had at least one half of accredited tackle to their name in those, which is incredible. You'd be hard pressed to find another team in college football with a similar stat this season like that. I mean, that's just amazing to have 11 different players in the backfield making tackles. Um, so I absolutely agree. I think if they're going to try to do what other teams have not been able to do against Washington, you have to get after Michael Penix because he has been known to get some happy feet back into when he was at Indiana, when he was using his legs a lot more to his benefit because he wasn't as crisp of a, of a passer. Yes. He was very dangerous coming out of the backfield and he still can be. Um, but I think that now that he's gotten so comfortable throwing the football, uh, he doesn't want to be disrupted back there. And I think the only way to get and, and, and try to, you know, steal this football game, uh, you know, what would be a, a huge upset right now, is to disrupt that backfield and create as much havoc back there as possible. Agree, agree. Last question for you, and this is a little sideways. It's more like a what if situation, but we like we like to do this. Uh, say Noah Fafita gets the start on Saturday. Uh, presumably, then Braden Dorman would be the backup, and we haven't seen much of him. But he's very highly touted uh, quarterback, a pro style quarterback, uh, top twenty, top twenty five according to most services. Uh, if he has to come in for whatever this game or later in the season. What should Wildcat fans expect from him? And would Jed kind of have to change up his scheme at that point? Out of Braden Dorman, you mean? Yes. <clears throat> I, you know, I think that you would see a lot, you know, some more running plays. I think yeah. you'd see a lot more just, you know, really, you know, one read ball out type of stuff. Um, you would probably see him lock on to a, a receiver that he's probably 
just gotten really comfortable with. And oftentimes for uh, for third string, fourth string backups that we've seen in situations like when uh, in the NFC Championship game last year, for instance, with the 49ers, yeah. um, you know, the, he, he found Debo Samuel and was just throwing the football to Debo the, basically the entire time, um, which is not a bad idea. Now, if for you know, for Braden Dorman's case, maybe that's a Tanner McLaughlin, maybe it's a Jacob Cowing, um, you know, maybe it's a T Mac. I don't know, but th- they would usually find someone that they trust right away and just keep pumping them. Uh, but then I also think you'd see a lot more two back sets, maybe some more twenty two personnel with with McLaughlin and Miranda a double tight end, and then Wiley and DJ Williams, or or you know, uh, you know Wiley and and the, the, any multitude of, of the running backs that we have back there. If Wiley's able to go either, I mean, I know you know Mike's been. Uh, been hobbled since um, since the UTEP game. You know, you know, he he came off early there. He looked he looked hurt in that game and didn't look right to begin the Stanford game either. Obviously, um, so I think you'd see more more twenty two personnel, more two back sets, more running the football, and then just quick out. You know, get the ball out. Quickly. What, what what do you think of Dorman though? Just because we haven't talked about him a lot, and and he's he's a I mean he's a big name, a big recruit. I mean, does he have a chance to be a starter for Arizona down the road? You know, I mean, who knows? I mean, I mean, you know, because because coming next year, Demond Williams is right, right behind him, and I mean, right. people are talking about Demond Williams like he's going to walk on campus to start day one because he's mm-hmm. that good. Um, you know, I, I I don't know much of Braden Dorman other than what his scouting report said coming out of high school and what I've seen from him in warmups uh, before games because I, I, I even the practice that I attended, he didn't really do much um, in that practice that day. So, um, you know, from what I from what I see. He looks a lot like a freshman college quarterback, um, and and you just never kind of know what you got until they're thrust into there and and see what happens when they're uh, standing in front of their huddle or their brothers and uh, take that first snap. Which I, you know, I, I hope we only see in mop up duty at some point, but but it could be emergency duty at some situation. Well, Jeff, last question for this segment before you join us for picks uh, in the final segment, and we get your game prediction. Let's say Arizona were to pull off the upset as a 17 and a half point underdog in your memory as an Arizona fan. And, and obviously, uh, you know, part of the program in a way as the as the uh, uh, public address announcer, where would this rank in terms of greatest upsets in your mind in the modern era of Arizona football? Yeah, I mean. I mean, you obviously had to think about the other Washington upset, right? When when they were number one ranked team in in the country, they came to Tucson um, and got whipped sixteen to three in that game. Um, you know, you, you obviously have to think about it, right? You know, right there because there are. I mean, Washington got a first place vote this year, and I know or a first place vote this this week uh, in the AP. And I don't put a whole lot of weight into what the AP was doing. I don't know who that vote was from. It's probably from the Seattle writer, but and that's fine. Um, they've certainly proven themselves as one of the five best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're playing one of the five best teams in the country, I mean, it, it's kind of interchangeable, especially if you watch the way that Georgia has played this year, the way that Michigan has kind of played with their food a little bit at times, watching Ohio State play, wasn't you know too impressed with them uh, as you know, potentially saying we are by far the number one team in the country kind of thing. So, um, I, you know, I think this would be right up there with, with any time Arizona has beaten, you know, the best team in the country or the best team in the conference. And, uh, well, they have a chance to do that this Saturday. It should be a barn burner one way or the other. And you'll get our score predictions coming up next year on Wildcat country.
right, it's time for what we've all been waiting for the entire show, and that's picks. And we're glad to have our buddy Jeff Dean, who's going to try to gain some redemption for our guest pickers. You know, Barrett Baker ruffling last week, three, six, and one. Shane and I, you know, carried the load seven, two, and one, but I'm I have an eight-game lead. I'm 26. And if I if I had stuck, if I had not gotten stupid and taken UCLA over Utah, I would have beaten you. But hey, I'm a lot better last week. And I so just so you know, Jeff, I went just went with my gut. I didn't do any research last week. Mm -hmm. I just went with my gut and I did a lot better than I did the week before when I looked up all these stats. So amazing how that works. Ignorance is bliss. Bring it on. (laughs) And let me point this out. I'm four and oh with Arizona against the spread this year. Shane is three and one. We we'll see how Jeff is. Let's see if he can go one and oh. All right, let's start with a game on Friday night. Really interested in this one. Utah at Oregon State. Uh, the Beavers are favored by three and a half. Shane, I'll start with you. Who you got? I'll go with Oregon State to rebound. I, I think that their you know, home field advantage, especially in the Northwest, means a lot. Uh, Utah can't move the ball. I think Oregon State will find a way to grind out 17 to 20 points. So I, I like them to cover. Uh, Jeff? You know, I like Utah in this game. I'll take Utah plus the three. I just feel like with that defense and what I saw out of that game between Wazoo and Oregon State last week, I think or- I think Utah can find some offense against the Oregon State team that has been a little bit overrated on that side of the ball so far this season. So I like Utah plus three. I'm going to even give you three and a half in this one because the line is shifting that way. I'm going to go with Oregon State here. Oregon State is the best home team against the spread since 2021. 13 and one straight up and against the spread at home. Uh, their only loss last year to USC by three, 17 to 14. I think Oregon State, I was not impressed with the quarterback situation. Nate Johnson, if Cam Rising comes back, it's going to be rusty. I think Oregon State wins this by at least a touchdown. So I'm going with the Beavs. All right, here's a game that, uh, I mean, I pegged Colorado spot on last week. I, I think Shane, you and I, and, and I think Barrett had it as well. Yeah. Uh, USC is now favored by 21 and a half at Colorado. I mean, you guys know what I'm going to pick. So uh, I'm going with Trojans big. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I like I like USC minus twenty one and a half on this one as well. I think they blow out the Buffs in uh, in Boulder and and uh, as uh, our friend Denny Green used to say, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, well, I don't know if you all saw the USC ASU game uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. USC, USC basically played drunk and won by two yeah. touchdowns. Like they made yeah. every single mistake you could you could think of. Yeah. And yeah. ASU, ASU was better, but they're still not that good. Uh, so USC they look a little like they're a little disinterested. Maybe looking ahead to the to the to the Dion game, the Colorado Dion's. Colorado Primes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I actually think I think USC is going to win comfortably, but I think Colorado being at home will at least hmm. keep it somewhat respectable. So I'm I'm going to take USC to win, but I'm not going to take the points. If that wasn't a classic look ahead game by USC last week, yeah. I don't know what was. I think they well, they were they had their eyes on. Go ahead, Jeff. ASU had a real tough guy performance out of yeah. that uh, out of yeah. that running back. Scadaboo yeah. had an incredible incredible game. He really did. That's a good point. Yeah. And USC's defense looked like we thought they were, but I, I just don't see how Colorado stops them. So I think USC scores 50 plus on them. All right. Rob, battle of ranked teams. This is an interesting one. Undefeated teams, Kansas at Texas, and the Longhorns are favored by 17. Shane, last year, I think it was 55 14 Texas. Who you got? Longhorns to cover. Yeah. They're, they're at home. Kansas is going to do the same thing that they did last year and, and, and fade. They're, they're, Kansas is just. Just not that good. Texas, I think. I don't know their national championship contender just yet because I just don't. That win over Alabama isn't as impressive as I thought it was. But I think Texas covers at home. Jeff? 
you know, Texas is kind of one of those teams that you, you watch the game and you're like, oh, Texas is struggling against whomever they're playing. And then the <laughs> next thing you see, they've won the game by 26 points. Yeah. They just kind of keep rolling, which is something we haven't seen out of Texas the last couple of years. Um, I like Kansas a lot. I think they've got great leadership there at the coaching position, and they've got some talent. They've got some speed. But this Texas team is really, really good. So I'm taking Texas at home, minus the 17. I'm actually going to disagree with you guys here. I think Kansas finds a way to lose this game by only two touchdowns. I think Kansas is legit. Their defense is probably better than it's been in years, just like Arizona's is. Uh, and I think Texas hasn't, you know, I mean, I know they, they played well against Baylor, but I against Wyoming, they were nothing special. I think Kansas finds a way to keep this one closer than people think. And so I'll take them plus the points in this one. Now, this is a tricky one here. Uh, Georgia's a 14 and a half point favorite at Auburn. Boy, I, I went back and forth on this one, and I'm reluctantly going to take Georgia just because uh, Auburn's offense has been awful lately. Shane, what do you think? Georgia is, is due to lay an egg at some point, not necessarily lose, but it's the game I think is, is at Missouri last year where they just looked like garbage and found a way to win. I feel like this might be that game this year. I think I think Georgia wins, but I don't think they're going to cover. Jeff? You know, I don't think there's going to be enough points scored in this game, period, for Georgia to, sco- <laughs> to, to cover this point spread away, a 14-and-a-half point spread. I mean, I, if, if the only way that Georgia can cover that, I think, is if they completely shut Auburn out, and I don't think they'll do that. So I like Auburn to cover in like a 17-to-6 kind of game. I Ooh. mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get – it's going to be ugly. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll with Georgia. I think Georgia finds a way to score 24 or more. I, I just – I don't see Auburn scoring more than a touchdown, maybe 10 points. I can see Georgia getting a 27, go from there. All right, LSU minus two and a half at Ole Miss. Another uh, uh, matchup of ranked teams. Shane, I, I don't even know what to think about this one, but go ahead, give us your uh, a pick here. Yeah, it's tough. Ole, Ole Miss, uh, they, they could have won that game against Alabama. They, they faded late. Uh, LSU, I think, has kind of figured things out since, since getting humbled early in the season against Florida State. Uh, I like LSU to win and cover in this one. Jeff? LSU was banged up last week. They were missing three of their starters on offense uh, due to injury. From what I've heard, they're going to be getting those players back. Um, and I think that was a big part of the reason why they kind of slowed down a little bit last week. They had a, they were really slow out the gates against Arkansas. Uh, and I love LSU minus two and a half at Ole Miss. Yeah, I think it's a good bet there. Um, I'm playing the under. That's going to be my play on that uh, Ole Miss seven straight unders when they faced ranked teams. Uh, LSU mm-hmm. overall eight straight overs, converging trends here. I, I remember LSU was unranked last year. Ole Miss was undefeated, and LSU spanked them. I think LSU wins this game by, you know, a touchdown or so, so I like the two and a half as well. Uh, all right, Oregon is minus 27 at a team we Arizona fans know fairly well from recent bias or from recent watching them, and that's Stanford. So Oregon minus 27 at Stanford, Jeff. Can the Cardinal find a way to cover against this juggernaut? Uh, this has got hangover game written all over it for Oregon, a, a team that has poured all of their emotions, energy, physicality into the game last week and teaching uh, the uh, prime Buffaloes a, a lesson. Um, and not to mention, for some reason, I don't know what it is, Oregon can barely get out of their way when they get to uh, to Palo Alto. It's been that way over the years, um, and we've seen it time and time again. I, I don't think there's I, I just don't see it possibly happening that Oregon wins this game by more than four touchdowns. So I like Stanford plus the 27. Shane? 
Yeah, I agree with Jeff. I, I think that the Oregon put poured so much energy into that Colorado game, so much emotion that I think they're they're gonna I mean they're gonna beat Stanford, but I think that that it could be within the 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 spread, I think. And Stanford's defense isn't bad. They can score a couple of touchdowns. So, you know, and even if Oregon gets up by five scores, Stanford scores a late one. So I, I like Oregon to obviously to win, but I think Stanford covers. Yeah, I think Stanford finds a way to cover as well. Just I, I love what Jeff said as far as his logic goes at hangover game. It's exactly yeah. why I picked Stanford getting four touchdowns. I don't think they win by, I think somewhere between 20 and 26 points seems a sweet spot to me. I think Oregon is a lot better than I gave him credit for. Uh, Notre Dame is a five and a half point favorite at Duke. What an epic game against Ohio State last week. The line was three. They pushed. We all saw the end of the game there. I like Notre Dame to win this game by at least a touchdown. I mean, it's impressive what Duke's done, but uh, Duke really hasn't beaten anybody. I mean, I, I'm not sold on Clemson. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame here, Jeff. Yeah, you're right about Duke. I mean, they they keep winning, but who have they been really beating? And you mentioned, you know, Clemson, and that was the week one kind of thing. And there's something happening in South Carolina that I'm not quite sure what's what's exactly going on, and it has nothing to do with the players. Um, so I, I want to take Duke to cover this game just because it's, again, I think this may be a hangover game for Notre Dame after the big uh, primetime matchup against Ohio State, but I, I, their offense is just too good. I think last week was was just a a, a misnomer, uh, a, a, an anomaly, if you will. And I, I like Notre Dame big in this game. Jane, yeah, I do enjoy when when game day goes out to ba- uh, so called basketball schools like Duke and Kansas, and they've been to Arizona twice. Um, of course, Arizona's zero and two in those games. I think Duke's going to follow suit. I think they lose. I think Notre Dame exposes them. Uh, it's a tough loss for Notre Dame uh, against Ohio State. And they're going to have a. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough for them maybe to regroup and maybe you know, having game day there, being on the road, will get them back in the swing of things. I think they find a way to win this game by at least a touchdown. So I wasn't sure whether to include this game, um, Florida or, or Florida at Kentucky, but I'm going to go with Alabama minus 14 and a half at Mississippi State is the game that we're going to choose as our last one before we get to the final two. Uh, I, I'm i going to go with Mississippi State here. I, I just think Alabama's uh, defense, or excuse me, Alabama's offense, not that good. I think Mississippi State can hang. I, I know this line's kind of tricky, but I think Mississippi State can keep this a 10-point game or so. So, uh, Shane, do you agree? Um. No, I, I think it's more because I don't think Alabama's that good. I just think Mississippi State, I, I really, really was hoping that they were going to be, they're a good team, that Arizona lost in overtime to a good team. They lost to an average team, unfortunately. Uh, I think Alabama, it, they're not the usual Alabama, but I think Jalen Milrose started to maybe show that he can be the guy uh, going forward. I think they find a way to cover. Jeff? Jalen Milrow has not played against the two best linebackers in the country, and that's what he's facing this weekend mm. in Starkville. And I love, love Mississippi mm. State plus the 14 and a half. I might be even might be even coerced to pick them straight up. Okay. Whoa, okay. there we go. That's what we're talking about. Those two All linebackers, right. you ask anybody who's played Mississippi State, they'll tell you those two linebackers, the two best players. That when you when you say uh the the like the two best players that pl- play together at any any you know particular position, that's those are the two best players in the country at their position. Wow. How about that? Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to let Jeff start with this one. Cal is a 12-point favorite at home against ASU. I know how much you uh, love to pick ASU. Oh, oh wait. Sorry. Wrong, wrong guest. So, Jeff, who you got? <laughs> Cal minus 12 against ASU. I, this, I mean, what a... Uh, what a horrible game. I mean, really. I mean, th- 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 this game's just got stink written all over it, right? Um, yeah. And, and when, you, when you say stink, um, usually that either means that it's just a completely lopsided win with one team that's so much better than the other team, or it's just two teams that have a hard time getting out of their own way. I think it's the latter. 
and I think it's a close game. So I'm going to take ASU plus the 12 just because it's an ugly game, and I don't think mm-hmm. Cal gets away from them. Shane? Yeah, I think ASU started to put it together a little bit, gain a little bit of confidence against USC. Uh, Skater bro, I, I'm going to call him Skater bro, had some uh, at, at a phenomenal game. Uh, it's interesting to see if Drew Pine continues at quarterback because whoever starts a quarterback just doesn't, doesn't have any time to throw for ASU. That's the problem. Uh, and Cal, they, they put up 500 yards against Washington, but a lot of that was kind of late in the game when it didn't really matter. Uh, I think ASU puts up another tough performance, but it's on the road against a Cal team that's due to, due to win. I think I agree with Jeff. I think Cal wins probably by a touchdown. I'm actually going to lay the points here and I'm not confident in it. Don't get me wrong, but I I just feel like Cal's going to win this game by a couple of touchdowns. I just don't think ASU is, is that good. And it's also kind of a letdown game for them. They got amped up for the home crowd against USC and then they lost by two touchdowns. I don't think Cal's very good, but if Cal's going to beat anybody by two touchdowns the rest of the year, that's probably it. Uh, So I'm going to roll with, uh, with Cal minus 12. I'm not confident in that, but all right, I'm gonna go with it. All right. Finally, Washington is a 17 and a half point favorite at Arizona. Can the Wildcats pull the biggest upset in this stadium? And I, I don't know. We talked about it earlier in the show in a long time. All right, Jeff, I'm going to start with you. I don't know if you can give a score prediction. Just maybe a, if you want to give one, great. And just maybe your thoughts against the spread there. Well, unfortunately, I can't give any any prediction. Okay. So no prediction. I'm just going to say that I hope that everyone shows up Saturday night, Arizona Stadium, clad in red, ready to scream on their team. Shows up early. The emails went out today, everybody. Take heed to the emails. Please show up early. Get there before Mm -hmm. the kickoff. Be there to Mm -hmm. cheer on your team when they take the field. The new video this year is awesome. I know 90% of you have not seen it yet. (laughs) So come early. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the festivities. And I hope everyone has a great time. And I hope that Arizona can come out with a victory. So, uh, Shane, I'll let you make the next pick I, here. Go for it. Yeah, I'm with Jeff. I just hope both teams have fun. That's all. No, I, I, it's hard to say between uh, – it, without knowing who's going to start a quarterback. I mean, I don't know if it, if it matters in terms of uh, the wins or lo- win or loss. I'm going to pick Washington either way. But it could matter in terms of the spread. And certainly I'm a little more hopeful that Noah Fafita could be the game manager that Jane Delora hasn't been. Uh, so – I don't think Arizona is going to find a way to stop Michael Penix for four quarters. Maybe they'll get a couple stops, a couple of sacks early and get the crowd into it, make it an interesting game. I think reality sets in at some point and Penix is just going to pick that secondary apart. Uh, the score it's been stuck in my head. It's kind of, it's right on right at where the spread is 17 and a half. I'm going to take Washington just barely to cover. I've got Arizona or Washington uh, 49, Arizona 31. Wow. Okay. Uh, right up, right close to that spread. Well, yeah. You know what? I just have a feeling. There's just something. I think Washington's really good. I think Michael Penix very well could win the Heisman. I'm 4-0 against the spread and picking Arizona games this year. Yes, I'm going to tout that record while I can. So you know what? What the heck? I'm taking Arizona plus the points. I don't think they're going to win the game. But I think this game is competitive. Going into the fourth quarter, like we saw against USC last year, I'm going to say Washington 40, Arizona 27. You know what? <laughs> if this game's close and Arizona can generate pressure against Penix, Never know. I don't know. It just I have a feeling this one's going to be fun. I, I don't think, you know, Shane and I are going to the game. Uh, I do not think we're going to be leaving as early as you would think. Washington closer than the experts think. We'll roll with that. To our buddy Jeff Dean for joining us. Thank you so much. As always, great to have you on the program. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. <laughs> <laughs>